0: As Ferris Bueller said, life moves pretty fast, but he never lived through quarantine. I started this podcast to learn how other people are managing their lives. I'm Emma Berger. Join me for some Words with Friends. Hello?
1: Hello.
0: Oh, fuck yeah. It's working. We're on the computer, people. It's working.
1: Sorry for the delay, folks. <laughs> this is a live radio show, and they're <laughs>
0: extremely disappointed.
1: Hi, Emma.
0: Mia Lotan. So glad to, so glad to finally have you on the pod.
1: I cannot tell you the level of like excitement, anxiety, fear. I don't even understand. I mean, the stakes are so low and I will probably know one person who will listen to it. <laughs> and yet I'm like, honestly, sweating, like so excited, anxious. I mean, performance, the power of performance.
0: Performance, but just being your mm-hmm. goddamn self. Right. Thank
1: you for saying that. I appreciate that.
0: Well, your nerves are so high. Are you, are you drinking anything right
1: now? No. So, this is I, I've, I haven't really been drinking during the quarantine. What? Yeah, I know. Well, because I've been mostly by myself, which we'll get into. And, and I don't really like drinking by myself. So, I, I went out and got a few things. And I need your help. What did you get? <laughs> I got some whiskey okay we do and i also that was my fridge opening i pulled a bro who's pulled like a frat bro who's low-key like anxious about his body image (laughs) (laughs) wait and
0: bought what say it again sorry white claws oh yeah that is the vibe that is definitely like (laughs) major the vibe Wait, did you buy this just for the purposes of the pod? Because I'm honored.
1: <laughs> yes, but also, um, I think a friend of mine is going to visit in a couple days, and so I thought I should have some liquid on me. I'm going to have a seltzer.
0: I feel like you're really coming on strong with the whiskey and white claw. Like that is that is quite the combo. I feel like
1: you you said it pretty well yourself. Yeah, I'm going to go with the white claw. So I really want you to capture the, you know.
0: Oh, yeah, it's a great sound. Nothing like cracking open one of those claws on a Wednesday
1: night. The like body conscious, bro, here it is.
0: <laughs> Wait, so you you haven't been drinking in court. That's amazing. Yeah,
1: it's, it is amazing. It's been like, in general, this quarantine for me has been like reset, realign spiritualize, get to know myself it's been quite intense yeah, I, I
0: love that for you thank you mm-hmm. hopefully the, hopefully we'll just delve deeper on the pot tonight please, please yeah that's something i wanted to say
1: to you which is that i need you to know that um that sorry i'm settling into my dad's home office
0: <laughs> whoa content we're gonna dig into
1: that in a second he absolutely will that um all all boundaries are uh, erased you can ask me anything you want I will hold nothing back I will be totally honest I will be uh completely naked for the for the listeners and that's Mia- the damn true
0: that means the world and that's exactly why my listeners demanded I have you on the pod tonight. Thank you. So, are are you in like a condo in Jersey City right now? What what's
1: what's your setting? Describe the scene right now. No, yeah. not a condo. I'm in a small apartment um in Jersey City, New Jersey, which is like you know, just on the other side of the river. And, um, yeah, I'm in a three-bedroom apartment by myself. I've been here by myself for cumulatively, like, maybe two months, which is rather extreme. And I have to admit, there's a bit of embarrassment. I feel, like, kind of embarrassed that it's working so well for me and I'm able to be by myself. For so long, I'm not really sure why. Everyone's reaction is always like, whoa, what the fuck are you? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm fucking great. Thanks for having such a scared reaction. And I, But, like, now it's kind of getting a little lonely, which is a feeling I feel like I, re- I really have, actually. So it's good. But
0: since birth or childhood you have been like a cool Jersey girl like deep down you are your Jersey girl self like I think it makes sense that you're you're vibing in Jersey City
1: yeah it well thank you for calling me a cool <laughs> girl from birth but um yeah I'm vibing with JC I think it does sort of like weirdly feel connected to my birth there's a lot of like my mom is like the absolute minimalist. She has, like, nothing from her previous apartment. She has nothing from childhood. Not, certainly nothing that we had as kids. And my dad is the opposite. And he's, like, low-key a hoarder. And every fern- every like, piece of furniture in this house is, like, actually something that I, in this apartment, is something that I grew up with. And I keep, like, re- getting reappointed with, like, the table and the lamps. And I'm, like, kind of realizing how literally everything in this apartment has, like, nostalgia factor juice.
0: Does he still have that, like, sculpture of two Greek, vaguely Greek Mediterranean-looking people having sex, like, next to his TV? Yeah, he's got
1: a couple. My dad (laughs) is, like, kitchen He has, like, zero aesthetic taste. It's just, like, all practicality and, uh, like, our microwave, like, all our, like... Appliances are actually from 1997. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, he has it. Why not? He doesn't really care about what it looks like. He's got these, like, so Emma's talking about these, like, very artificial, fake, like, Grecians (laughs) that are, like, for, for a desk, really small. And one of them is just two people passionately making love to each other. And my dad is, like, a really sweet Israeli guy who wishes he was, like, an American boomer. (laughs) A sweet Israeli Jersey landlord. Exactly. That's exactly what he is.
0: He really is. It's so weird, actually, because we have so many memories together. And yet, when I was preparing for this podcast, I kept like, flashing back to just visiting your dad's house in New Jersey, even though that's, like, a very, very small fraction of all the time we've ever spent together.
1: Totally. That's awesome. You're one of the few friends who saw that part of my life, honestly. (laughs) Not that many people have even met my dad because he's in Jersey, and now he's actually in Israel right now, so that's why I'm here by myself. He's, like, stuck in Israel.
0: So was that like a temporary trip and then he got stuck there because of COVID or was he yeah. trying to stay there? He was not trying to stay there.
1: He like, wow. the heat. and right now it's like actually a hundred degrees Fahrenheit. So, you know, but I get to walk his abode. How are you doing tonight, Emma? The fans. I'm pretty
0: good. The fans. <laughs> yes. Everyone wants to know. Um, <laughs> went for a walk did my work day, went for a walk and then hopped on, hopped on with you. So I'm, I'm excellent. So explain, wait, so how did you, en- you ended up at your dad's house alone? Like where were you before this? Where do you normally live? Orient your, my listeners to yeah. your general situation in non COVID times, I guess. Totally. So I,
1: um, <laughs> I was born in New Jersey and then at um, I moved to New York City, where I met Emma in elementary school. And, um, you know, you did not ask for the full bio. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back
0: to 1996.
1: <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so my family is based. My mom is in New York and my dad is here. And um, I was living for the last two years in Ridgewood, Queens with a couple different people. And um the quarantine for me started there and then my lease ended. And so I had to like do the whole move out, lease exchange, crazy bullshit during quarantine, which was super high stress. And then um I went to stay with Nate, my boyfriend for a while, and then like very quickly understood that I couldn't really like live the life that I wanted to live in that space with him and that really small apartment with him and his roommate um because it's just like I didn't really want this to feel I'm unemployed right now and um I didn't really want this to feel like total like free for all vacation extended weekend I really wanted to have some sense of structure and I wanted to feel productive and I kind of understood that there was like a lot of I mean obviously terrible context for this but the like The bright side for me is someone who's privileged enough to be, to have, like, you know, uh, safety and the resources that I need. Um, I understood that there was, like, there was a bright side to this. There's, like, a lot of potential here for, um, like, I don't know, self-reflection and getting to do the things that I have always wanted to do that haven't been able to. And I just felt like I couldn't really do that in Nate's space. So then I came here. And to Jersey City, my brother drove me. He was super paranoid and like couldn't even look at me. He's like both oh, really uh, we're hypochondriacs, so this was really scary in the beginning. But now we're better. And got me off, and now I'm here. And the first month was like exactly what I was like beyond my wildest dreams. It, I felt like I felt like I've been looking for so long for. <clears throat> for, for a certain, like, retreat with myself like just for myself and I I feel like I've like kind of looked for that in different smaller artificial ways over the last few years and I really got it like I've been I mean especially the first month this has been a little different lately but I've learned, I've been learning how to meditate and I've been creating a practice for myself. I've been writing every day. I've been exercising every day. I'm like the strongest I've ever been physically. And, um, I've been just like recharging myself and it's really effective. And I feel like, um, I'm starting to feel lonely again. I'm starting to feel, well, I'm starting to feel lonely and I'm starting to feel like I can give to other people, which I think is a sign that I've kind of like fully recharged, you know, like I'm healthy, now I can tend to others.
0: Yeah, completely. And that's amazing, like that you have the space and the exactly the time. I mean, we're really, really lucky that we just have the ability, I guess, to not be worried about like worldly possessions and like healthcare and all that during this time. But it's really true, it does present like if you are in our position and are lucky enough to like have this time to self reflect and like do do the work as the as the kids say um then it is actually an amazing opportunity also, I didn't know that you and yoni are hypochondriacs. I find that yeah. like somewhat counterintuitive
1: big time. I think it has to do with us. it's all sort of related to everything I'm saying, like I think yoni and I both. Um, feel a lot of pressure to like make the most out of life all the time and which is like kind of a crazy thing to say but I think we're like we always have like plans to do things and see people even if we don't want to there's just like a high level of there's a pressure that we put on ourselves to like constantly be busy and working and seeing people and I think I think the hypochondria comes from not wanting anything to get in the way of that and so this quarantine has really allowed me to like actually feel what it feels like to slow down. Honestly, like I don't think I've ever actually just done things that I, I only want to do all day ever in my life.
0: Mm -hmm. No, that's amazing. I'm, I am definitely the same way. Like I, I like to jump from thing to thing and know like what's coming next and everything, but it is like, There's something, like, super cool about just, I guess, admitting that we have no fucking clue what's going to happen next in this situation, and you can't plan for the next thing. But, okay, question. So how are you learning, like, I mean, how did you learn how to meditate? Because that's something I'm super interested in, and, like, have tried, but haven't been able to, like, actually get into, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm still, like, getting into it, you know? Like, I still sort of have to, like, convince myself to... There's still, like, some, like, what's it called? I need to kind of, like, seduce myself into it. But, um, well, I kind of, last year, like, right out of college, I um, started doing this. My friend invited me to this, like, communal meditation group. That was, and that was really helpful because they actually teach you and tell you what to do. Um, and so that gave me, like, the foundation of like how to sit and how to breathe and like where my gaze should be and you know before I start and after and and then um I downloaded Headspace which is like hugely popular now they actually have I was just watching cable tv which I haven't been haven't watched since I was a kid old old school and they're they had advertising which is crazy but Headspace is awesome it's really expensive for the membership but they have like if you just download the free version there's like a ton of there's like guided meditation for stress guided meditation for sleep guided meditation for um like eating stuff like they get really specific like eating disorder things they get really specific and it's quite amazing and
0: that's super cool download with Download with my discount code <laughs> and save 20%. No, that's really cool. I know, actually, funny thing. So, do you, I, I've talked, I've talked about this previously on the pod, but do you know Melissa Wood Health slash
1: Melissa Wood Te- Tepperberg? Um, I learned about her during the quarantine. This okay. Was, so, your, I listened to it with you and Kim. Listen.
0: Yeah. Like, I've been super into it. And then, like, the other day, I, I mean, I'm, like, you know, always watch everything of hers, always do her workouts. And then I see her posting, like, check out this outfit. It's low ton Really, I love what you're doing. And I'm, like, oh, my God, Melissa,
1: you know what's up. Yeah, that's my mom. She's a fashion designer. Um, that's really cool. I'm really lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mia was – the cool fourth grader
0: who moved to New York and was like, my mom's a fashion designer. I like I have Netflix before anybody has Netflix. (laughs) And I know cool shit like David Bowie. And I was like, okay, I'm going to become friends with that girl. And and I did.
1: Emma, you had like the, you still do, but at a really young age, I feel like you had such a mature sense of humor. And I was like, okay, this girl's cool. You were like, joke. Like, I feel like I stole so much from my older siblings, like their jokes, their sense of humor, their, their the music they listen to, like I just absorbed it and you like actually found it on your own at the ripe age of nine.
0: I actually just hung out with you and I was like, okay, I'm gonna do exactly what she's doing because she's cool. So when Mia and I were in like fifth grade or something we had computer class with Francine and we decided to, and every year we had to make a video and our video was Rick and Chuck what was it called I think it was Rick and Chuck something Rick and Chuck I don't know Rick and Chuck's like saved the world or something and we were supposed to be like middle-aged guys going through a midlife crisis and then we were like instead of buying a sports car or like taking up golf we're just going to become superheroes <laughs> and then like film this whole montage of us in washington market park like it's kind of like being we were ahead of
1: our time it's kind of like flight of the concords and uh like rick and morty like it was really dark and about like the male like the depressed male experience (laughs) what we had to do
0: how the fuck were we tapped into like middle-aged mumblecore
1: at 10 years old? I'm so confused. I don't know. I think we were perceptive and mature and uh, I don't know. It's really, really amazing. I'm really proud of us. And we don't, yeah, have, you have this like crazy, um, you always have these like insane like gadgets. Like you have this <laughs> phone for kids. That was like not a real cell phone, but it was like really bright colors. There were four buttons for like four different people, and like one was 911. And you also have this insane camera that was like bright. Orange. Do you know what I'm talking about? I had an assortment of gadgets for like
0: alerting strangers on the street that I was being abducted. Because my, my dad, every morning, I swear there'd be another story, and my dad would give me another like. Alarm device that I had to carry with me on but the was, They were
1: all like props straight out of like the iCarly. It's just like <laughs> crazy weird pieces of technology that did not. We were the only <laughs> one who bought them. I would
0: pay so much money to recover my tiger right. cam and be able to watch which is what it was called and be able to watch whatever the fuck we were making back then.
1: (laughs) It was kind of looked like a GoPro, but it was bright orange. And that's what we filmed our Rick and Chuck adventure on. And I think my brother filmed it for us. Right.
0: He did. Yeah. I really remember that. So that's what I'm like. So Mia's brother is a comedian and and he's hilarious. So I'm like, I hope he didn't just like put that hilarious idea in our heads like I hope it was ours but I can't really do well, sure my
1: memory of him is pretty weird so he must have been like 20 at the time no 19 no 18 He's he is, he is um, 9 years older so he was like just starting college and he took it really seriously like I don't remember him laughing once I think he was like in the zone which is kind of embarrassing for him <laughs>
0: He was in the zone and we were shooting like a
1: Rocky remake at Borough Manhattan Community College. Right. That's where he filmed it. And actually, I think like the weekend after, I don't know if you know this, but I, I starred in his, he studied film in college. And so I started in his like short film and he hired an actor to, to be in it. It was about like a little girl. I think it was about like a little girl and her dad or like a little girl, and, like some older man <laughs> sounds really bad, but I was a little girl and I just he would like film me scribbling with colors on paper. And it would, we also filmed it at BMCC, the community college next door our elementary school. So that is important to nobody listening. and uh, <laughs> And you can cut that out. But I give you full liberty, by the way. Cut out whatever you think is boring because I kind of feel like it's all boring.
0: I don't know I just made a podcast like it's it, It's probably like super interesting to me and my friends and like nobody else but that's that's fine with like, me I'm not, I'm not trying to get hashtag sponsored although Headspace if you're out there
1: yeah. sponsor me. well I kind of feel like you know I almost want to reach out to them and be like hey I'm a 24 year old I feel like you mostly get middle aged people I just want to let you know this shit serves me thank you sponsor Emma's podcast <laughs> You should. You wanna like
0: DM slide Let into the DMs. DMs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So wait, you you said you're unemployed, but I you do have two internships right now. Is that no, so, well,
1: I did before the quarantine. I just started two internships and one at Dia Beacon, which is really cool, and the other at um Visual AIDS, which is this arts nonprofit that supports artists living with HIV and AIDS. And um, both of them didn't work for me to do from home. So they kind of were just cut short. So now I'm just living my life. I know you're working like vigorously over there.
0: (laughs) I mean, vigorously is the word for it. I would say I'm working as much as one can work. As vigorously as one can work from home, which is... Are you jealous? people who are, like,
1: awesome. baking sourdough?
0: No, I think I'd go, like, a bit crazy if I didn't have mm-hmm. shit to do during most of the day. And now that it stays laid out super late, I feel like there's some time in the day to, like, you know, do the other stuff I want to do. But, so, Mia, tell me, where did you go to college? <laughs> what was your major... <laughs> And what has been your journey from college to this Whoa. point? a
1: wonderful awesome question. Thank you for. <laughs> I went to the small liberal arts school called Bard College, in upstate New York, in the Hudson Valley, and I studied art history. And, um, I wrote a thesis that I'm very passionate about on um, dark humor in the use of AIDS activist video in the 90s, hence the internship. And um, I left college feeling uh, like, what's the word? I was fearless. I felt unstoppable. I was sure that I was gonna get a job that I cared about. And I feel like I knew the path ahead of me. I knew like some of the paths that I could take with my degree. Um, one of those being like the gallery world, one being museums and education, and I just felt like one of it was going to work out for sure, and then like the week after I graduated, I had this like massive spiral, and didn't realize it was going to come on so quickly, and um, I've really been like kind of trial and error, different jobs related to the art world since then, and I'm I'm kind of at a point where I want to close that chapter and maybe return to the arts. But I feel like I have no idea what I want to do with my life. I don't know what my professional strengths are. I don't even know what my weaknesses are. And I feel like the, I'm not going to find the answer to those questions by asking it point blank. I really feel like I'm going to need to be doing some soul searching for lack of a better word. But I think I need to ask myself other questions aside from like, what, it, what do I want to do with my life? I think I need to just like experience things and meet new people and see where it all takes me and pay attention to what feels good. And so I worked at a startup for a year that I really I and I hope they're not listening that I, why would they listen? See, listen, that I <laughs> really didn't care about. And it just kind of, I learned a lot about like weird boss employee dynamics that I guess is actually really good like street knowledge and then I um and that was like an art related art tech startup and then I took a break was really burnt out really quickly probably still from college went traveling in Europe for the first time it was fucking amazing started working for my mom which was like an emotional psychological catastrophe like brought up a lot of really intense feelings about my relationship with her, my relationship to work ethic, her work ethic, what I wanna be doing. And then I like quit in this intense way um, and realized that I needed to kind of take some sort of stock of what it is I care about, what I wanna do, took those internships, quarantine. That's my story. That is quite a
0: journey. I mean, it's so interesting to me because I feel like you've had some, I mean, we. I feel like one, we've talked about this a bunch and I completely agree with you that you can't really know what's right and what's right for you until you just take the leap and do it, which is scary because you're like investing in it as opposed to just right. thinking about it. But I think you've done the right yeah. thing and like just trying everything. Yeah. Um,
1: I feel like another thing started to come and- off. No, like you go. Even though go. there's been a lot of what feels like failure uh, in the last two years, I think, Well, wow, I totally forgot my point. Uh, what was I going to say? Sorry, sorry, listeners. Um, you can edit this out. But I was going to say, um, even though there's been a lot of failure in the last two years, I. Fuck, Emma. <laughs> What was always happening? It was a really
0: good point. There's been a lot of failure, fair. but it hasn't been. Um, you learn from your no, failures, is what you were gonna say. You learn from. <laughs>
1: you learn nothing from your failures. They're just failures. Oh, this you is what say. <clears throat> Which is that even though there's been a lot of what feels like failure in the last two years. No, it's gone. (laughs) Are you high? high. Are you okay? Oh, I'm just Um, kidding. No, but I do kind of feel high, like adrenaline off of being on stage. (laughs) Um,
0: we're doing amazing, sweetie. Seriously, I knew you were a natural born. So are you?
1: I'm like shocked. Um, professional. I mean, I, like, wasn't expecting this, but you're amazing, and I, I love it. <laughs> um, what I want, Okay, yes, this is what it is. All right, we're, we're back in the court. Um, I was gonna say that even though it feels like I've experienced what feels like a lot of failure in the last two years, I'm proud of myself for really, like, giving everything an honest shot. Like, I do feel like... I've tried, like I was saying earlier, I've tried to make the most out of my life the last two years, I, including, like, my social life. Like, I feel like I've gone out, I went out, I partied a lot, I made new friends, I spent a ton of time with my family, I, like, really invested in my physical health and, like, worked out a lot, and I've been, like, cooking for my, like, I feel like I've, like, I've been doing the most. And so there's something about this quarantine that feels like, okay, I'm putting an end to that chapter of just like endless running on the treadmill, right? And now, now it's time to like actually think about what I really care about and understand that taking breaks and um, not doing anything is can actually be really nourishing.
0: Completely. Yeah, no, I think I think you nailed it on the head. Like, that's exactly what it is. You, you can do everything and never reflect on it and never like think back to it and learn from it. Or you can think about everything and right. do nothing. And then you, you won't have like lived your life. So I feel like also, we're, we just graduated right. two years ago, like that. It's not a lot of time. You said you've had a lot of failures. But one, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really call any of one, one of your experiences a failure at all. And Too, it's not even it's not even a lot, really. No, you're right. I
1: mean, nothing has been a failure because I've learned so much from it. But I've had a lot of like trial and error. I would say there's been a lot of trial and error. But I also just want to clarify that, um, even though I'm like, you know, like I feel like I'm really contributing to the this narrative that we see all over Instagram of celebrities being like, oh, like I get to just relax and meditate and like self care. And that whole, like, rhetoric that is actually, I think, can actually be really damaging and put a lot of stress on people who maybe don't have that going for them. Or maybe they do, but it's, there's a lot of anxiety. Like, it's also, there's also days that I feel like, okay, what's next? And they have a lot, of, I, I'm still, like, dealing with professional anxiety related to professionalism and stuff like that. And, and I'm also, like, freaking out at the same time. But Yeah, I just wanted to clarify that for all the folks who hate me now.
0: (laughs) For all you folks out there. No, totally. I mean, okay, I guess question for you. So do you feel like you have extra pressure to like self-actualize through your career since you come from such a creative family where I, your family has done like super interesting careers. So Does that add pressure to, like, you need to find, like, social or, like, personal
1: meaning through your work? I feel like um, my family really identifies, like, everyone in my family really identifies with the work that they do on a very intense level. There's no, like, work-life balance. My sister has achieved that, but I think because of my parents and my brother, my sister is therapist was in the bay area she's like really living that like stereotype to a t and um has really beautifully found that balance and continues to find it she's like she's really different i think from the like i mean she's just different from my parents in general in the way that they are so intense about work and it becomes everything and yeah, my mom is, like, she's also an artist, you know, she's a fashion designer, but her work is really, like, and it's in an, a form of expression for her, it's, like, an extension of her soul, and so everything that she makes, and that other people in her company make, it's, like, represents her, and that's intense, you know, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I think, like, I don't know if I really answered your question, but I think that I'm, trying to take a step back from that impulse because I think I also have that tendency to like over invest in my work to a point that it's like almost unhealthy but not that my parents are unhealthy but I don't think done a lot of reflection <laughs> around that and yeah so I'm trying to take a step back from like that impulse that I have and again like this quarantine has really helped me do that not living with my parents has been super helpful because it's You know, I think if I was staying with my mom and, like, witnessing her work from home with, like, high levels of stress, especially now, I think it would be really hard for me. And, yeah, I'm really grateful that I get to just, like, be with myself and not put that pressure on myself.
0: Yeah, completely. That's kind of what I guess I... Would have thought, which is like you know, a lot of people in creative fields, they chose their line of work because they identify with it so deeply. But like, there is something healthy. Of, there's something amazing about that where you like feel so deeply about your work. But then there's something like nice and luxurious about being able to detach a little bit and like view yourself or your creative self
1: apart from your like capitalist, yeah, productive self. Yeah, and I want to care about my work, and I want to feel invested in it because I think that's the only way I would really be successful, but I don't know what that is. I don't, I'm still even trying to figure out like if I'm a creative person, you know. I I genuinely feel like I'm like at the drawing board. I don't know what to do. I know like I care about art and creative people, but yeah, and I know I care about like psychology. Does anyone give a shit here? That's what I keep (laughs) saying.
0: Dear God, are you there? It's me, Mia. No, you are, like, inherently very, a very creative, artistic, like, hilarious person. And I could see you, I obviously could see you as a therapist. I could definitely see you as, in the creative fields in some capacity, like, I know you're going to be extremely successful in whatever you choose to go down or, you know,
1: you could just be a recurring guest on my pod. Actually, I have something interesting to tell you all, Um, both related to my destiny, but also our collective destiny and professionalism and all the above. So a month before quarantine, also, sorry, Emma, if I'm going off your track, I don't know what track you're on, but sorry if I am.
0: I have no track. That's
1: Our, I secretly me. hope this, we record this for like <laughs> I don't know three hours. Anyways, just kidding. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> um, so like a month before quarantine, I was feeling especially lost and really desperate for like and um, my sister like sent me this my very, like, new age kind of hippie sister sent me this uh, Instagram of her friend's friend who's an astrologer in New Orleans and, um, I like, impulsively booked a session with her. I have, like, no relationship to astrology. I don't know what any of that shit means. I don't really buy it, but also get excited when I see, like, a Capricorn meme because it feels relatable. And, um, Yes, yeah. Capricorn. Same. We're both. Yes, we are four days apart. You heard it, you heard it here. here first. And um, I feel like it's a very Capricorn thing to start a podcast about like people in quarantine and. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no. This, is like, this isn't narcissistic. This is like for the people. This is for your community. You, this is, is grassroots, people. Thank you. Um, so I went to this, <laughs> I had this virtual Zoom before it was cool. I had a Zoom session with her. And um, she told me a lot of crazy shit, most of which felt very negative at the time. She told me that I was going to have like, quote unquote, textbook hard few years, end quote and um, that scared the shit out of me she also told me and actually like I took notes but I had her in a different room but um, what I really want to share oh yeah so she told me that that she sees me in publishing or education which both of which I feel like pretty like I could do that um, but obviously this is like one astrologer might not be accurate What I really want to tell everyone is that she did tell me that on December 21st, 2020, uh, there was going to be a, this is what she said verbatim, a massive decentralization of power on a global scale. (gasps) December 21st. Wait, on what date? And she said that personally for me, my fight is going to get really real about why I fight for what I fight for. And she said, everyone's gonna have to like reevaluate that for themselves. And I asked her questions that I asked her that I wanted to know is when would be a good time to move out of New York? Cause it's something I'm thinking about. And she said, you're probably not gonna want to after this happens. Yeah, people. I have no idea. I mean, mean? my gut instinct is that it would be related to the election, but it's not an election related date as of now. And um, I have literally no idea. But she said this only happens every like 400 years or like.
0: Holy shit, Mia! What the fuck? I was gonna say, like most apocalyptic situations, I picture people like advising move out of New York. I don't picture people
1: being like, "You're
0: only me. gonna want to be." I don't in think New it's York about New York, City but I think this. she just meant
1: like, "You're probably not gonna want to make a big move after this." But I know it's really weird. I know. Oh my god!
0: You're the first person oh, who ever what? took me to a psychic. Oh my god! Which I remember amazing. this
1: yeah what happened we not we definitely right <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say I
0: don't remember what my fortune was but I remember being like this is fucking cool and then like we walked around the Lower East Side and we we're like yeah. "This is a prophecy this is gonna
1: happen and now I'm like oh, yeah that might have happened really remember know. that I remember it was like Um, Okay, I'm sorry if you don't want me to say this, but I I remember you were really sad about something. I don't remember what you were sad about, but you were very sad, and I wasn't sure how to help you, and so I was kind of just like, oh, there's a psychic. Let's go in. In hindsight, it was a crazy (laughs) idea, because if she had said something that would have made you even more sad or something related to whatever it was you were sad about, that would have been a really shit friend move. But no it it
0: wasn't whatever it was I don't I don't remember what I was sad about either but I I do remember afterwards being I I'm pretty sure she was just like oh you're gonna have three kids and I was like oh
1: my god yeah I've been psychic a few times few different psychics <clears throat> all of which have told me that I have a guardian angel you are you're a guardian, awesome. guardian angel Mia you're a guardian angel <laughs> Sheesh, y'all. It
0: <laughs> was a dream. Do you still? No do you still get
1: that reference? <laughs> <about>. <laughs> oh, so um, that that was, that was a Jake and Jake Amir, Amir reference. Amir. I have those hot motherfuckers. They're so hot. I think <laughs> that's why I watch them. Like, there's better than like a hot, I... indie, funny guy.
0: Some. Cute indie juice. I thought they were like, yeah, I thought they were hilarious. Probably if I watched them yeah. now, they'd be like middlingly funny. The name of like, College humor. Collegehumor.com. Okay. We're back. Quick break, folks. Oh, yeah. Quick break, break? to shout out the sponsors. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. See,
0: yes, go ahead. Sorry. There's oh no. Yeah. Okay, I was just going to say, there is a topic I've been dying to de- delve into. <laughs> What's that? You might know what I'm talking about. The Dead Scare Podcast, <laughs> folks.
1: Yes, that's little okay. that little old thing. Okay.
0: So I, it's really hard to explain. Can, can you explain better or can I explain better? <laughs> I could try. Um, That would be amazing because I don't know how to explain these people.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard to explain. I haven't listened. Okay, so the Red Scare is this podcast that um, is run to women probably in their mid-twenties living in New York and it's like a cultural, political commentary but they are like very much a part of this subculture of like Radical leftists who are really, um, they're really, like, vulgar and raunchy and provocative and they, um, don't really give a fuck about political correctness and they're pretty much like the hot, mean, really smart girls from your high school that were really, like, into heroin chic and, like, really thin and love to, like, be bitchy and probably have, like, really intense demons, like, tucked deep in there. And it comes out, like, in their hate for, like, things that actually should be hated, like white feminism and, uh, like, Bernie bros and shit like that. It's really entertaining. And they're Russian. They're both Russian, which I have to say, I think it's a very important Part of the culture of the podcast.
0: That is definitely an important part, and I I just want to say I think you summarized it much better than I could. Um, yeah, it, I remember. So I first discovered them because I, like the dumb bitch I am, as Anna and Dasha would like to remind you, was way, 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 way too invested in the Caroline Calloway saga. Like, longtime Calloway stan. <laughs> Free the Natalie Beach drama. Anyway, so that's how I first found out about them because Caroline was going on The Red Scare and I was like, right. who are these like scary Belarusian girls? Belarus. I don't know how to say it. From Belarus. <laughs> anyway, And I'm like, oh shit, Mia follows them. Like Mia must know them. And I actually thought you knew them until like two days ago. Oh, but... yeah, no.
1: Yeah, no. Sorry.
0: No, no, you're good. I was just going to say I've gotten so fucking into their podcast during quarantine i'm like radicalized by them but they're they're super smart and i think they are like deeply moral people Mm -hmm. yeah
1: i agree yeah no they're definitely on the right side of history you know they have like really strong politics um and they're really like they kind of um they like their whole shtick really goes against like the archetype of like the the good liberal who's like really politically correct and um you know I don't know they're just like really um like brash I don't even know if that's a word and like um really embrace their like mortality and youthfulness at the same time. They're like chain smoke while they're podcasting and it's like a really I mean, they're really scary. They're, like, really mean, bitchy girls. And and yeah, it's totally entertaining. I feel like they, maybe this is why you thought I knew them, is because I feel like they are really, uh, like, emblematic of the culture at Bard, which was very, like, grungy dark hipster like strong political views which you couldn't really tell I mean like at Bard I feel like you couldn't really tell if they just like adopted those views as part of like an aesthetic or if they actually believed in them and these girls really believe in them and you can tell that they've like done their reading and yeah I don't know it's worth a shot it's not for everybody because like I said like these are the girls that certainly intimidated me in college and high school, but it kind feels like you're getting to like listen in on just like those girls' conversation. They're really smart. I don't know if that if that's an interesting thing to say, but it's true. They're
0: super smart, and I'm like, damn Like, I kind of wish I thought these things for myself. So- like, I kind of wish I came up with half the stuff they come up with. Yeah. And then I'm like, even if I did, I'd be like, probably scared to say it and like have a podcast no they yeah it's interesting to me because I I did think that you might have known them because they seem like bard art history girls (laughs) art
1: history girls
0: but they also seem like kind of anti like east coast liberal art school at the same time so I what was this like I guess political sentiment or like just this scene or like feeling at bard yeah,
1: it was mixed. I mean, I feel like this is something I'm, I'm like, confused about within myself. I feel like I tend to gravitate towards a certain kind of aesthetic in people and person, which is, like, kind of, like, soft grunge, really radically left, but doesn't really talk about politics that much, but, like, you know that, and it comes out every now and then, and, um, like, they kind of only get involved when they need to, and politically and um they're really into like like niche music I don't know, like I feel like this is like a kind of person I like always gravitate towards but I'm really not like that's not what you asked at all what was the political landscape at Bard good question <laughs> good um, question Mia. Yeah. <laughs> um you know it's really hard to tell I mean generally like left-wing um but there was a range of people there were A lot of people who were very into like grassroots social justice work and did a lot of like local a lot of local politics around bard there was a lot of that and then there was a lot of like soft grunge like people who dressed as though they were like anarchists but didn't actually like really uh walk the talk you know like they would sort of like post it, post something on Instagram, but kind of also make it cool and like nonchalant and kind of cryptic, you know, like there was that happening. Um, and I feel, and yeah, so it was kind of a weird place. I was expecting it to be a lot more. Um, I was expecting there to be a lot more like social justice work happening and that to be like a welcome and open conversation kind of like what cam was saying about Wesley and the earlier podcast there's there's, thanks
0: for listening
1: (laughs) there is and was a lot of like kind of some shame around like saying the wrong thing um which was complicated and and definitely pushed people including myself like away from political conversation because they were scared to fuck up or be offensive which like is not productive what's kind of like yeah i mean i'm curious to to hear what you have to say and also just like in general i'm curious about that and the red scare like what like i'm curious if they would be open to having a conversation with someone who's like doesn't really know much about like the current political landscape and, like, wants to get involved or something in social justice or politics they believe in. Like, I'm curious how they would approach that because they seem so clicky, for lack of a better word, you know? Well, the
0: weird thing is they're, like, kind of deeply apolitical despite being, like right alt-leftist, almost like they literally had Steve Bannon on not very long ago and they always obviously it's it's a bit like they are doing sure. a bit because they always talk about how sexy Steve Bannon is and I'm like what the fuck yeah. like, yeah. they're they I feel like they have the anarchist um Streaking them but actually so you're the first person in, at like 10 years old who taught me what socialism was because you're like oh you should come join my like socialist youth movement and i was like
1: okay cool i had no idea what the fuck i was talking about probably no i didn't yeah
0: do you do you think any of that like i mean obviously they talk about their like soviet ethic and like really? i and obviously you were involved with with socialism from like a young age how much of that maybe I'm like stretching here, but do you think your both of your like immigrant parent background kind of like informs your less individualistic attitude, I guess, toward politics and like socioeconomics?
1: Um, that's interesting. I mean, my parents, hmm, my parents like really never talked about politics in the house growing up. It was not a conversation we had. We all we were really only talking about like culture and movies and art but my parents also grew up in a country in Israel where they had to serve in the army um which is you know like kind of sacrificing yourself for the greater good and really like working towards a collective goal that was sort of like the point building a unity in a nation and they were really like building the nation because my parents were like you know my parents parents were holocaust survivors so they were kind of like first generation of, like, the new nation of Israel, and um, they never really talked about the ideology of that, but I do think, like, some of their work ethic comes from formed by that army experience. Like, I think they understand that, they understand what it means to work really hard for a larger concept or group, and I think I kind of took some of that, but they didn't explicitly talk about that. I think most of my politics and like socialist tendencies come from this youth movement that I was involved in for so long called Hashem Ratsir that you kind of dabbled in Emma dare I say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I dabbled for sure.
1: That was this like socialist historically Zionist now it's complicated youth movement um, That is an international youth movement but it manifested for me in like a summer camp run by teenagers, basically children. <laughs> it was like Lord of the Flies, like kids teaching kids. Like I was a coun when I was a counselor, I was a counselor for kids two years below me, and yet there was like such an intense sense of authority that I had. And yeah, but the whole the whole ideology of the camp was based around socialism and. Um, shared responsibility and everything was communal, like, you know, at most summer camps, for example, at most summer camps, um, so I'm just plugging my computer in. At most summer camps, when parents send their kids care packages or money or food or whatever it is, they just keep it for themselves. Maybe they share it with like their best friend. But at my camp, um, as part of the youth movement, if you received food or money or anything, all of that would go into one collective pile and the kids would decide together what they were going to do with it, what they were going to spend the money on collectively. It might've been for a a kid. It might've had a birthday coming up. And so they were going to spend their collective money um, on like a surprise for that kid or an activity they could do all together together. And these are like eight year old kids. Like it was really an intentional (laughs) ideological Place. We had like, we split, you know, like kids were washing dishes, sometimes cooking meals, and like young kids, you know, we shared all responsibilities. We cleaned the bathrooms. We read marks every day. You know, it was really amazing. It's
0: so like cool and mind blowing that that even exists in the middle of the woods in upstate New York. Oh, yeah. Like, who would have thunk it? It's but yeah no completely like it'll be interesting to see if that i guess mentality kind of takes hold more after this Mm -hmm. crisis that we're going through and i almost foresee that happening like even though bernie's not going to be our president uh, apparently i think this is like probably the first time in recent memory when even republicans are like we need some kind of like universal social safety net and i feel like it just this crisis highlights the need for like some type of major reform in a way that obviously like socialism has been talking about for for long before this. totally i
1: mean at least healthcare, right we'll see yeah it's
0: yeah. it's just ridiculous to i i feel like the u.s has probably like gone down in the world rankings of I guess world powers or whatever, as a result of like how Mm
1: -hmm.
0: poorly we've handled this crisis in comparison to the rest of the world where, you know, we were, we've been held up for so long as like a leader, but.
1: I don't know. I, I honestly don't even know what what makes us a leader. I guess it's just like our, our influence on capital and I don't know our like occupation around the world or military occupation. I don't know.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I don't know enough.
0: This is kind of circling back and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm probably just wrong, like I probably just have the facts wrong, but did this kid who goes by the alter ego like Twinks for Trump go to Bard and if so do you know him or like do you know what I'm talking about? I know. Okay, that's kind of a non sequitur then. I was going to say I I found I don't even know how, I don't even remember how I like stumbled upon this guy, but he's like super right-wing like Trump supporter, but um, there were a few of those at Bard. Yeah, it's interesting. He actually seemed like not the not the typical Trump supporter, and I just was like, wait, what the fuck? This kid came from Bard, like that's not oh, that's not awesome. usually how you picture the trajectory. Is he over? No, he was around our age. Like I don't remember exactly what year he graduated, but he was around our I age. I mean, I didn't so. even know
1: everybody. I don't know. It's possible. Is it like, did you find him on Twitter or something?
0: I I thought, I'm sure it was somewhere on the internet and I don't remember like what led me to what. This is a while ago, but um no, my, so my first three episodes have been a Wesleyan grad, oh, a Skidmore no. grad and a Bard grad. So I feel like
1: I've completed the trifecta Definitely. of like
0: leftist liberal arts schools
1: on these. I have a funny story about um, camp that I think Is just like feeds the archetype of like Jewish socialist summer camp of which there are many by the way there's like other youth movements and there's also a camp called I think it's Kinderland or something like that yeah I know I've heard of that there's actually I feel like it always I feel like when I would describe it to people who had no idea what I was talking about was always I would always say that it was like a joke out of a Woody Allen movie like I feel like he like would have referenced something like (laughs) yes (laughs) definitely funny story that people love to hear about which is we had a lot of like quote unquote special days um at camp where like our normal schedule was mixed and we did some sort of like themed extravagant day sort of like kind of what like a field day would have been at a normal camp and so we had this one day and and like everything we did was like infused with our own ideology we had like And which was this like extensive thing there were like pillars and um oaths and it was really like this complex belief system is currently but um so we had this one special day that was called yom capitalism yom means day in hebrew so it translates to capitalism day and the kids did did you know did you know about this emma I, you may have told me about this at
0: one point, but can, my, my listeners probably don't know about <laughs> it. So.
1: Of course, it's just fascinating. And actually, I think someone wrote an article about it a few years ago. Which, like, thank God, the world needs to know about this. So this is Capitalism Day, and the kids never knew which day of the of the summer it was going to be. The the counselors or the people who planned it, the like cultural staff, would choose a random day during the summer. To do, podcast, to, to do this podcast, to do this podcast, to this special day, <laughs> and, um, so instead of waking up with, like, the normal alarms, and your counselor's telling you to wake up, you wake up into a whole new world, this, like, fake society that the counselors or the staff that plan this created, and they create this, like, in, co- really complicated, like, economy, and town, and, um, system where kids are wake up with a certain amount of money and they wake up with a certain job. Sometimes they're unemployed. Some have are born with degrees. Some aren't, some are born with, um, I don't know if I'm explaining this right, but some like explaining this effectively, but basically kids wake up with like, already with an identity and um, a social status, social economic status And they basically have to survive the day in this new town. And there's like a bank and there's, you know, like fancy restaurant and a poor restaurant. And there's, you have to like pay to use the bathroom and you can like start your own business. It's basically a real life monopoly. And the kids get to experience firsthand, like what it means to be born into a certain social economic status and how you, how, I mean, It's obviously very different um, than real life, but they get a taste of, like, how unfair that can be, and um, how certain people have certain privileges and get to climb their way to the top, and it's, like, it's really amazing. I don't know if... Did did I explain that okay?
0: You explained that perfectly, yeah.
1: Um... and They make it complicated, like, actually... I was thinking about this the other day because I remember one year <clears throat> when I was a kid, the like narrative of the, the storyline of the day of the um, town was that there was like a massive quarantine and the CDC <gasps> had to like, yeah. So normally the, the fake town like spreads across the whole campus basically. And like, um, like, different parts of camp become different parts of the town. Like, this building becomes the bank, and this building becomes whatever. Sanofi High School. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so in this, like, quarantine narrative, only the dining room, the dining hall, that was, like, the only building we could be in because they were trying to contain the virus. And so... um. I think it actually like kind of failed a lot of things that camp failed because like 16 year olds were writing them. And so like the day would just sort of like crumble or like there were too many loopholes and like shit wouldn't work out. But when it did, it was great. But um, yeah, so I remember that I was thinking about that the other day.
0: That's yeah. insane. So were you, wait, were you a camper or a counselor at I that I was point? A camper at that point. And you were probably like, this would literally never happen. But, like, let's go through the thought exercise of it happening. And now here we are.
1: I was, yeah, it's true. I was actually, like, kind of related to this. I was joking with my brother that, like, if this whole quarantine thing in real life, like, COVID, was actually just some some sort of, like, social experiment, like, what do you think they would be testing? Like, what would the people who are putting this, like, elaborate uh experiment like what are they trying to figure out
0: that's an excellent question and I'm pretty sure a lot of people like on the alt-right right think that is what's happening
1: <laughs> um right are you, are you talking about um also that's a really hard question and you don't need to answer that but are you talking about like people who think that this is meant to like weed out the like the people that don't deserve to be here right now
0: I guess just, like, the conspiracy theories in general surrounding COVID and, like, you know, that I know there's, like, theories that it was created in a lab on purpose and, like, it got out on purpose and I guess just to wreak havoc on the world and, I mean, I feel like it, it will inevitably impact, like, how we socialize and work and like live and interact for at least the foreseeable future. So if someone is trying to wreak havoc and like start anarchy, then I feel like it, it is at least partially successful.
1: Yeah, yeah it's true. I was actually, <clears throat> this is kind of unrelated, but I was just thinking about the other day It kind of hit me that like, I'll, so we, we've we actually, are you and Cam were talking about this? How a lot of people are leaving the city and not coming back and, People are really like making life choices because this is currently, at this point, this is like an indefinite position we're in right now. And um, I was just realizing that like, I'm probably not going to see a lot of the, a lot of my like kind of peripheral friends or like friends of my friends ever again. You know, like there's a lot of people that this, there's a lot of people in my life that like, I guess I had this like abrupt goodbye with. You know?
0: That is always a weird, like mind blowing
1: feeling. Even when they're just acquaintances right.
0: or like old coworkers or something like that, you're like, how is it even possible that like we're gonna exist on the same earth and like yeah. not cross paths mm-hmm. again? So, do you know? I mean, I'll ask the same thing I asked Cam, which is, do you know a lot of people who are doing that, who are just leaving New York? Um,
1: I have a few friends who are like, actually, I know a bunch of people who are moving upstate for the summer. Which I think is a good move. Um, That sounds nice. That sounds like actually the move, maybe. people who want to BART, so they, like, know the area, which is really wise. I mean, I would do that if if anyone wants to rent a place with me. um,
0: (laughs) Slide into the DMs and
1: rent a place with me. I mean, I'm employed and not in a position to be paying rent. So for now, I'm with my parents, but or, like, in their place, but, yeah, people are doing that. I don't know anyone that's um, going elsewhere, but, I, I like, people are, like, fantasize about it, and I, I know people, like, are going home. For some people, that's, like, Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Massachusetts, and I guess they're just there indefinitely. Mm-hmm.
0: So I guess, like, obviously, you can't really plan right now, and I... I do you feel like we've talked about this be- like before COVID happened, but what do you see coming next for you or what do you envision as like your next move? Or not even like geographical move yeah. necessarily, but like. That's a
1: huge question. One that I honestly avoid, which is pretty out of character for me to avoid a question like that. Hence my Capricorn nature. Really? <laughs> I'm normally like very into planning and like really want to know my destiny and what's coming up and, I really, I mean, that's, that's one of the, that like to emphasize what this quarantine has been like for me, I've been just like not looking at, not thinking about that question, not answering that question because I'm really trying to be as present as possible, which um, is good. But also, of course, like I need to think about it. I don't know. I mean, I actually applied to this program called Urban Adama which is like an urban farming program in Berkeley that um, infuses like uh, renewal, Jewish renewal, what is, how do you even say that? it's Like renewal Judaism with mindfulness, with um, like, I don't know, food equity, social justice work. And it's just like, you know, classic Bay Area. um and I, I before COVID kind of just as like something to do slash I was kind of hoping it would like mobilize me into the next phase of my life and I got in so I might do that even though it feels less like me and more of like something my sister would do but I I think you know so that's like potentially an option other than that Um, I kind of fantasize about working in film and TV. I think that would be fun because it's, I really like the arts and I like creative people, but I don't like the culture around fine art, which is really pretentious and based in like social politics and, um, just really superficial. And I think I would like going back to like a kind of socialist experience, I think I would like the feeling of like being on set and everyone having a, an important job um, that leads to the like completion or success of a creative project. So I'm I would love to dabble in that but other than that I'm like totally fucking lost. <laughs>
0: I mean, those are two great options. And congratulations. I think I knew that you applied, but not that you got it. So that's that's super exciting. Um, it's kind of funny because those are kind of like the two yeah. opposite experiences. But one is very much like your sister and one is very oh, much like your brother. And I think... Mm-hmm. I think but I could see you doing either, both, yeah. neither. I'm fascinated to follow up with you in a future episode if you do move to Berkeley because I have thoughts on Berkeley as you know but I, I yeah I think Audemars would be a completely different yeah. experience and definitely cool
1: yeah I mean also related to like the Red Scare girls um, there I have this like part of me that I haven't voiced yet that's like kind of nervous about like assimilating into a culture that's like hyper politically correct and, and like very, um, I don't know, just like very new age Bay Area type (laughs) beat Um, like I'm kind of like, I feel like kind of connected to this like grunge, soft grunge, New York like iron like ironic satirical um constantly in denial part of myself that I think those girls also represent and yeah I have some like identity crisis about potentially doing this does that make sense
0: that makes complete sense I think something they said recently that really resonated with me was I think Anna said this on the on the pod um Mm -hmm. But she was talking about just recognizing the, like, evil within yourself. And, like, mm-hmm. she, she I know, claims the identity of a highly moral person. And I actually believe that she is a highly moral person. And, like, she understands, like, moral mm-hmm. philosophy and recognizes the bad within herself, which a lot of this, like, as they would say, neoliberal culture does not recognize mm-hmm. the bad within themself- themselves mm-hmm. and, like, um, I guess relies on everybody considering themselves good which is like fundamentally untrue and that is a distinctly new york slash i guess they're they're soviet so maybe it's a soviet attitude but um i think i know exactly what you mean or maybe i just went on really interesting like
1: it's really funny and like stereotypical that their approach to like self-reflection and internal like being internals like recognizing the bad in yourself you know like think I mean that is really healthy and really important and I actually I really think you should all be doing that every day during this quarantine but um but yeah it's like very them
0: yeah and I think it, it's just highly relevant producer Andy <laughs> and I were just talking about this because if you saw the what i'm assuming you know the whole like Game no
1: is this uh, i really haven't been watching lately but i should oh no not from red scare but like that oh, oh yeah yes yes who, yes like- yes whoa i almost just canceled and the-
0: <laughs> my goal is to not get anybody <laughs> yes. canceled all this yeah, no, yeah um, that's awful No, but she issued this whole apology statement, which was like, I mean, uh, apology in quotes. But she was basically like, I'm not racist. Like, this just (sighs) happened. I'm like, Amy, Karen, you're the problem. Like, recognize the evil within yourself. At least be honest with yourself. It's okay that you're evil. Just, like, recognize the evil and be honest. And that is, like, the nihilistic perspective
1: that Red Scare
0: takes. Totally. I I mean
1: we're all racist it's a part of our conditioning it's a part of this like cultural conditioning unfortunately right like that's fucked and terrible but it's really important to recognize that and if you recognize that yeah that's great. exactly oh lord (laughs) well that's an
0: uplift i have to end on on. (laughs) Okay, um, please
1: send on a fun note. I got this with my friend Sammy Step shout out. She's never gonna listen, but hey. And- oh shout-out, know Sammy Cindy? Step,
0: friends with Sydney Maloney. friend, Sammy, don't you?
1: Know? I don't
0: personally know her, but I i know mm-hmm. her as a friend of a friend. So yeah, I've heard rocks. good
1: things. Sammy and I were joking about um we were talking about OnlyFans. Do you know that thing? And-
0: yes, I do. I mean, I don't, <laughs> do you have so an OnlyFans?
1: I, <laughs> I do not um, have one.
0: <laughs> uh, Caroline Calloway or- has one, which is why if I you're like remotely
1: <laughs> famous, you can make bank on that shit for sure. She does. Um, but we were joking about like what would be our like OnlyFans shtick? Like what would be our kink or like archetype? You know, like if we were to like. What would be our thing? What would be our brand? And um, I think mine would be Camp Counselor. Don't you think that? Oh my gosh.
0: In? Okay. That seems completely right. And I need to actually, I mean, I haven't Me really been on OnlyFans, so I guess I don't completely know what you mean, but I know. I haven't either. I right
1: guess the you. question to rephrase, it's sort of like, what would be your brand of pornography
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh god that's a hard question maybe like Um,
1: podcaster like diy podcaster
0: girl who thinks yeah exactly girl who thinks starting a podcast during a quarantine is somehow a good or interesting idea
1: I, that sounds I like totally. Like That's right. Like you on the on the uh, <laughs> podcasting thing. Andy's your producer. You know, I could. It could. Be <laughs> it could be like, oh my god! It could We're be basically- like, and I'm not asking for this, but the person on the other end, the person who you're interviewing, can get like involved in your sexual situation. All right. You can cut this out if you have any important <laughs> people <laughs> listening.
0: If I lose my job because
1: of this podcast, I know oh my God. I know what, what to that, do. Does that kill me? What, it, what is it? What does it know what to do? Get really? on OnlyFans
0: and reenact. Oh, yes. Yeah. I
1: don't know. I mean, there's so many like girls from Bard who have OnlyFans. It's so weird. But also respect.
0: It sounds like fun and it's
1: so weird. weird. I really miss it. I feel like um I'm like really embarrassed that I'm so quickly one of those people who's like, oh God, I miss college, you know? But I do. I really miss like I miss how I miss how like carefree I felt in that bubble. You know, obviously that was kind of problematic, but here I am getting cancelled left and right. I'm like, I miss being like <laughs> Blinded by my own bliss and privilege. Just kidding. You know what, it's it's different.
0: You can say you miss college because you went to Bard, and that's like a different thing. I feel like if I said it, it's like hey, you went miss- to Michigan, like
1: yeah, except <laughs> I went to Ann Arbor. So where are you gonna? But, who are you gonna interview next? If you've hit all the lib arts schools.
0: Well, I might continue this train. So I haven't gotten true confirmation, but Cam is on her recruiting game. And next, I am hoping to interview Alvaro Chavez of TikTok fame, who was in her oh, improv God. group at Wesleyan University and is fucking yeah, hilarious was- and super cool. Oh. So uh, stay tuned.
1: This is fantastic. You. If this really takes off and you become, like, huge podcaster and you need to, like, get rid of the kind of, like, shittier early podcasts, I I will sacrifice this one. (laughs) You know, it's, like, deleting earlier Instagrams when, like, you have a bigger fan base. I should probably do that, but I'm not going
0: to well thank you so 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 much mia this was so amazing like seriously so amazing you are
1: an amazing guest thank you for totally for I, on the pod. i'm so honored to be on the pod i just have to shout you out for being so open-hearted and ambitious and curious and kind and um it's such a pleasure to know you and haven't got, have gotten to have such meaningful experiences with you I'm really like just sitting here smiling I'm happy that I'm happy in my life oh sitting here You're one mic my deep this did not do anything I'm disappointed is there any it album? doesn't it really doesn't Five it's like per- less than here right ugh I think All so. Right. I'm not an alcoholic. Bye
0: everyone. <laughs> Y'all bye.